Hi, my name is Max, uh, and today we will talk about steps to increase your sales by three times and grow your business. Our guest is Logan Wedgwood, who is the sought-after management consultant specializing in business sales and marketing. Welcome to the show for business owners, proudly brought to you by easyfreight.co.nz. In this show, we introduce successful tools and tactics which you can apply today. Subscribe now and take your business to the next level. He is also the author of the book called Grow 3X, Increase Your Sales with Certainty. If you want to learn other business tips, then subscribe to this show now. Logan, would you like to add anything else about yourself or your business? No, that was a, uh, a perfect introduction. Thank you for that. Logan, I'm always curious how other successful business owners separate so I can copy them. And you obviously have done a lot. You've run several businesses. You've published the book. Can you tell us what's your morning habits and what do you do in the first couple of hours when you wake up? So I wake up, um, I have two young boys, both of them um, are toddlers, and thus I wake up relatively early and that's largely driven by them. Um, and I start my day um, by making breakfast for my, my two boys and I have a have a shower in the morning, make a nutritious breakfast and so I always make sure I have a good breakfast and then I pretty much leave early to make sure that I miss the traffic. So I'll, I'll leave by just after seven o'clock in the morning. When I get to work, I open up my computer, I think about the, the most important things that I need to do that day to have the biggest impact and I prioritize those, and then I'll start on a few of the meaningful projects first, and then I'll check my emails a little bit later after that just to kind of work out where the edges are in my day and, and what I need to be aware of. And that's typically how I start. So there is no magic tactic like doing meditation or yoga or anything like this. It's just practical business stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah. I have attempted meditation um, quite a few times, and I am a proponent of it because I've seen other, I've seen it work for other people. However, I'm a bit different in that I'm what you would call an active relaxer. So even if I am in Fiji, I'm not lying on the beach sunbathing. I'm snorkeling and diving and fishing and riding around on boats and jet skis and things. And my way of relaxing is to do very high intensity um, workouts. So I box regularly um, a couple of times a week. And that kind of style of very hard uh, training is what allows me to escape from my brain for a short period of time. So maybe 45 minutes to an hour at a time, I'll do an intense workout and that'll help me escape. And then when I've finished working out, my brain straight back on to business talking about high intensity you uh, recently published well you recently wrote a book um, uh, about growing your sales by 3x why didn't you decide to grow it by 10x <laughs> yeah good question when i said about writing this book i i really wanted to write something inherently practical that had real value that a business owner could pick up dip in and out of and go, right, I can see how I can apply this to my business. What really annoyed me about um, 10x and you can find or 12x or 20x or any of those um, bigger numbers is you can find that there's a lot of um, books and materials that use that number. And I believe um, that largely it's used mainly to sell books not actually because that's the number that is achievable by the business owner. 10x is achievable when you have your hands around a unicorn that is going to go because you got you know, lucky and a few of the things that you did, you did really well. And the other way to grow 10x is um, through investment capital. But that's a totally different journey to 
traditional business, which is a founder has an idea or something that they're passionate about and they decide to start a business. So they get started and then they start growing and they win some customers and they hire some staff and, and the, the business just starts to grow. That's how most businesses start. The businesses that start with with a with a you know technical unicorn idea and funding from investors and things is a lot rarer. And thus I wanted my book to be something that your your average business person who's passionate about their business and wants to know what to do um, to grow can pick up my book, read it and go, right, I can see how this could work for me. That's what I wanted. And I wanted the the target to be achievable. A hundred percent agree with you because there is so much hype about being an achiever and hustle. And, you know, you can sometimes drive yourself crazy if you read all these beautiful stories about millionaires, but in reality, all we need is 3x and we're going to enjoy a happy life and our business will grow. I think there has been a shift in the in the market where, where and you're right too, the media paints a lot of positive pictures about people who make millions of dollars in business, but they forget that they're actually just reporting revenue numbers. <laughs> and um, I've heard a quote that um, revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. And when you're saying that somebody's super successful because they've generated a whole lot of revenue, that doesn't actually mean anything because they might have sold all their products and costs and not even been able to pay themselves. Um, these days, what I'm seeing um, with my customers um, certainly is a trend towards how do I make the business support the lifestyle that I want as opposed to it being a you know multi-million dollar uh, unicorn? How do I achieve balance and how do I earn a really good income without you know earning unnecessary amounts of money? How do I pay my staff better? Those are the challenges that people are more interested in these days. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I noticed in your book is that you talk about self-awareness and some of the things that business owners have to ask themselves and their team. Could you tell us what, why is it important? How a business owner can become self-aware? Somebody that's worth your your viewers looking up is Simon Sinek, who's a proponent of, of leadership. And leadership is not my specialist area, so I won't talk about it too much, but it relates quite strongly to mastery, which is one of the one of the sections in my book. For me personally, in anything that I do, I'm always seeking mastery, whether I'm playing the guitar or the drums and I'm learning that, I'm trying to be better at it every day. Whether I'm boxing, I'm trying to be a better boxer every day. Whether I'm selling, I'm trying to be better at selling every day. Uh, Robert Greene's book, Mastery, is a really great one to read, and it and it talks a little bit about the 10,000 hours rule that you would have heard, you know, stories about Jimi Hendrix and how before the, the age of, I think, 17, he'd already done 10,000 of hours on the guitar, and that's how he became such a superstar. But mastery is actually something that all of us can work towards every single day in small incremental steps, and inherently it helps us get better at any pursuit, whether it's fitness or wellness or business or, or anything, playing a musical instrument or learning a language. Language. So the self-awareness um, component of mastery is really important because if you're not constantly questioning um, what you need to be working on to be better, if you're not constantly aware of what you are already good at and how you can further develop those um, skill sets, you're really missing out on identifying the, the things that can help you move closer to mastery. So some of it just takes time, but the self-awareness piece is, is um, really important. And the reason why I related that back to leadership is because if you're a business owner and you're on a journey towards um, leadership and you're wanting to lead and, and run a company, your self-awareness and how you occur to others, knowing your your values and your your um, personality profile are critical to being able to connect with your people and understand 
their profiles are and what their values are and whether there's a match. And when you get those things right, you're able to run a much more effective company. Another tip that I um, read recently about self-awareness uh, was given by Gary Vaynerchuk. He, um, he was, um, well, he's still another business owner and he suggested that you should ask your friends or family members that you trust and uh, ask them what are you good at or what are you bad at and tell them that it's a safe environment, you're not going to judge them. And this will give you another example of who you are and what you're good at and what you should improve on. So um, That's really good advice, but I'd add to that. I would add to that advice and I would say ask your customers because several reasons. Sometimes friends and family can be um, nice to you because they don't want to hurt your feelings and they want to see you succeed, so they, they support you. And, and, and often it's actually the honest feedback that helps you develop, not the feedback that helps prop up your ego the other thing is there are also family members and friends in your circle who are not business owners they 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 work as a salaried employee and so inherently they don't feel the same level of risk as what you as a business owner or an entrepreneur feel so when you're a business owner and entrepreneur the level of risk that you have to live with every day is much higher therefore the way that you shape your decisions is very different to when you're a, a salaried employee because a salaried employee has job security you're not worried about feeding the mouths of other people you're just making sure that you do a good job and get paid and that's okay I'm just saying that the empathy that they have with you might not be as as high as if you talk to other business owners your customers if you have a really great customer who's willing to tell you what you could do better they're absolutely invaluable I've heard a statistic and I'm not sure how accurate it, it is or what the source of that statistic is but basically um, eight out of ten customers that have a bad experience with your business will just leave your business and not do business with you again and never tell you why only two of them will will actually tell you what you've done wrong and give you the chance to make it right so actually talking to your customers um, before they leave and asking what you could be doing better is a really great way to um, improve the services that you have as a co uh, company and uh, to ask um, what you can work on to be better yourself as an individual does that make sense Yes, it does. We experience in our business, we experience a similar challenge. And I'd like, actually would like to know how do you approach this? Because when you have dozens or sometimes even hundreds of customers and you are busy enough to look after your current job, how do you manage to follow up with someone that, you know, um, hasn't been talking to you, like the customers that not left you, but the customers that have forgotten about you. Do you, does a business owner have to do it themselves or can he outsource it? What's the system to follow up with customers? That's a really, really good question. And it's quite a, it's quite a complicated one to answer. It depends on a couple of things. One, you have to consider the, the wider strategy of your business. So if your business is, if you're familiar with generic strategy, it's, it's essentially that there's three strategies that you can choose um, between in business and that's how you gear up the resources in, in your business in order to to deliver on your promises to your customers. So um, one is um, operational uh, efficiency. Um, the, the other is innovation um, or product leadership, and the other one is customer intimacy. So if you're running a customer intimacy strategy, your key people that front your customer have to be inside the customer's business regularly, weekly, daily, monthly, getting to know them, getting to understand their business to the you know minutest detail so that 
the customer knows you have an understanding of their business and you can deliver on that. If you run a, a product leadership strategy, um, and Apple would be a good example, their products are so good, they're never going to discount their price. They're never going to they're never going to really get to know you as a as a person, as a customer. You're a faceless person that walks into a store and buys a phone. The only reason they have your data is because you know when you when you sign up through your your phone, they capture that, but they don't really know you. Um, they don't know why you chose the model that you chose and things like that. If you're doing operational efficiency as a strategy, you don't have the resources to get really intimate with your customers. You can't spend a lot of time in front of them. You're too busy trying to run an efficient um, operation. So therefore, the, the business owner is probably not the person that's spending a lot of time in front of the customers. And a customer intimacy um, strategy, the business owner would be getting around as many of their customers as often as they can and making sure that you hold that relationship tightly. I am a proponent of not just getting in front of your clients to do business and talk about business challenges and issues and things that you're doing to support, but actually meeting your customers as people, um, going out for lunch or grabbing a coffee, not because you've got anything you want to sell them or not because there's any piece of work that you need to discuss, but actually just because you want to check in with them as a human being. The reason for that is twofold. One, like people, and I like to get to know them. But two, it's very hard for a customer to fire somebody that they feel is a friend. If you're just a supplier that's faceless, that they never see, and that just answers by email, and then the product shows up at their door, and when times are tough or when they're tightening their wallet, it's very easy for them to say, uh, okay, we'll just get rid of that supplier. When you're somebody that meets regularly as people and you know each other's kids' names and things like that, it's much harder to let go of that person as a supplier. So um, the more time you spend getting to know your customers, the closer a relationship you build and therefore the longer a relationship you have. It is so true and uh, we experienced it ourselves. We, we did even uh, some statistics. Most of our clients that support us are the people that we met. So 80% of the income come from 20% of the clients that we knew, uh, that we meet, that we talk. And this personal con connection is vital. It doesn't have to be, in our case, regular, mm -hmm. monthly, even once a year. To meet a person, going to be very, a good return on, on investment. Yeah. It's interesting you, meet, uh, you mentioned the 80-20 rule as well, because I've seen that play out even by mistake. And most businesses that I meet with have that kind of relationship with their clients where you've got a, a core collection of clients that make up most of your revenue. And if you work out how to look after those customers really well and then win more customers like them, you will be more successful. A lot of the other uh, customers that you that you pick up is really due to it's maybe not the right word but it's kind of laziness in the organization where you just sort of take whatever business comes your way because you want to make um, revenue sales but um, actually if you want a more profitable business focusing on those those um, clients that make up that 20 percent would be a better return on your time logan talking about laziness how in, in your book you, you had an example of a business and a business owner that became a lot more productive by implementing a very simple and practical strategy. That example was about Charles Schwab. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Yes. Could you tell us the story and what happened and what everyone can copy from this example? Uh, Charles Schwab owned a, a number of industry industrial businesses in the late 18th century, I think it was. And um, Ivy Lee was a consultant that um, developed a reputation at the time and Charles invited him in to uh, consult to his business. And he essentially went round, he said, give me 15 minutes with each of your staff members 
and uh, that, that should do it. Um, Charles was quite surprised at that and said, okay. And he said, well, what am I going to pay you? And Ivy Lee said, you pay me whatever you feel it's worth after you've seen the result. After, I think it was a short amount of time, maybe three months or something like that, he wrote a check for Ivy Lee for, I think it was $100,000, $25,000, which was just a ridiculous sum of money back then um, for a consultant to spend 15 minutes with a group of his employees. The technique that he shared was he went around to all of his, all of um, Charles' employees and, and said, start your day by choosing the three things that are going to have the biggest impact on the business. Do those three things first and then whatever happens after that for the rest of the day doesn't matter. And I've taken that technique and built it into a couple of the examples in the book and I've also built it into a piece of software that I've built which is um, uh, a sales growth tool um, that I use with some of my clients and it's incredible how effective the technique is. It, it, it's mind-blowing how effective the technique is. One, it creates hustle. It creates a real bubbling kind of energy in the business of hustle because every day everybody's turning up and they're just nailing the three tasks that they know are going to have a really big impact on the business. Uh, two, over time you start to get more focused on what those tasks are and the tasks that you choose become more effective because you, instead of just saying, oh, you know, I need to sweep the floors and clean the factory, you're saying actually the most important thing that I can do is meet with that client and ask him if he can introduce me to that guy because that's going to win me a hell of a lot more business. So the tasks start to become growth orientated instead of just business as usual orientated. It's probably one of the most impactful techniques that I, I've discovered because my mantra was always, and for a long time, has been prioritize for impact. And this is what I have always done before I discovered that technique. And what that meant to me was every day I would turn up to work and I would go, okay, let's say that I only do 20% of my day today and then I just go forget the other 80%, get nothing done, I just do that 20%. If I'm only going to do that 20%, what can I do that's going to have the biggest impact on the business? And that's the mentality that I bring in every day. So when I start the day, I'm really effective and I'm working on the things that are going to have the biggest impact. That technique is, um, they're, they're a very similar similar technique and they start to form a mentality of just really getting important things done. The problem that you see in businesses today is when I work with a group of people, I'll often say, hands up, who starts their day by checking their email? It's almost unanimous. Every time, pretty much everybody will say, I start my day by checking my email. What that actually means is you're starting your day and approaching your day by doing what everybody else is asking you to do instead of what is most important for you to do for the impact on the business. So you spend your whole day bouncing around from urgent task to the next urgent task to putting out this fire to this customer complaint to this staff issue and you just bounce around like a pinball machine off the expectations of everybody else. If you start your day focused on the very few things that are going to have the biggest impact on your business, you can deal with all of that stuff later and your business will be much more successful. If you find this information useful, um, then uh, subscribe to our business show so you do not miss the next interview. Logan, uh, let's talk about the dirty word, networking. How do you do networking? Can, can you give us some um, practical tips? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a super strong networker in that I don't tend to generate business when I'm networking. But a technique that I use networking is is I gen genuinely try to understand how I can help the person that I'm talking to. 
So if I go to a networking event and there's, I don't know, 50 people and you're walking around the room and you're saying hello to everyone, you're shaking hands and a lot of people just exchange business cards and, and, and try to find a moment to talk about themselves. What I've always thought of is, okay, tell me about your business and then I'll listen very attentively and, and try and really hear what's important to that person at this time. And then I think creatively and go, well, who can I put you in touch with that can help you with 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 what you're needing right now. And if I can connect two people that can help each other, both of those people will remember that I was the one that connected them. And thus, when they're going, right, I'm talking to this person and I know that they need help with growing their sales. For some reason, their sales are flatlined and they don't know what to do. They need to talk to Logan. And then they connect me. I see networking less about trying to sell yourself to that person right there and then and more about understanding how you can help more people. And if you help more people, more people help you. It is it is quite uncanny how it come, comes back around. I helped, uh, I gave um, some of my time away um, a couple of hours to three different people before Christmas and I spent a couple of hours with each of them and I did some consulting work with them and um, they asked me what it was going to cost and things and I said, don't worry about it. And I just left it at that. It was Christmas time. I went on holiday. I came back. And then literally, I think it was three weeks ago, all three gave me a referral. And all three have turned into customers that are really big customers for me. And I didn't ask for it. All I did was help somebody out. So I think if you if you approach networking with a give first mentality and look to help other people first, eventually they'll look to help you as well. I 100% agree with you, Logan. Uh, give, 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 and then maybe ask, and it uh, works uh, in many cases. I believe you are involved in five different businesses or five different projects, and we, well, Nowadays, there is a mentality where people and other business advisors say laser focus on one thing, because if you do many things, you're going to you know, achieve nothing. So you, you've got a different approach. Correct me if I'm wrong. How do you advise people to tackle this? Like if say you've got different projects, you've got if a business owner wants to do many things, how th does a business owner approach you know, when, when there are many options to do? For me personally, I have very f supportive friends and, f and family. There's not a lot of people that demand a lot from me outside of the things that I do for the business. So I'm very lucky to have a very supportive um, group of family and friends. Um, so you can't underestimate how important that is because if you have if you have a lot of business projects on the go, you're going to work a lot of hours. I work a lot of hours. I genuinely do. My day... Um, so it starts early, sort of 6.30 a.m. when my kids wake up. By 7 o'clock, I'm on the road, either off to see a client or to my one of my offices. And then I work until um, 5 or, or 6, and then I go home and I do my um, routine with my boys again where I feed them dinner, do their bath time routine, and read them a story before they go to bed. So my kids are down asleep by about 7.30, and then I'm back on my computer working until 10, 11 o'clock at night. That's most nights, and on the weekend, I'll do at least six hours of work on the weekend too um, when, my, when my kids are asleep. So um, I do a lot of hours, but I think my, the reason why I was able to write a book and manage it or, or work with um, a couple of businesses of my own is that I'm very, very disciplined every single day. My day is not much different. I eat very similar food. I dress very similarly. I'm not very creative with what I wear. Um, I'm not creative with my routine. I stick to a very consistent routine that allows me to operate at my best. 
most of the time. And I'm very, very disciplined with the things that I um, choose to put my energy and effort into versus the things that I don't. I think it's Warren Buffett has a quote, which is, the difference between successful people and very successful people is um, very successful people say no to almost everything. So while I have, and so what you've said is true, if you, if, if you really, really want to grow and scale a business, it's probably best that you just focus on that business. The businesses that I'm involved with um, have synergy across them. I've had some that didn't work and didn't take, and you could argue that perhaps my focus was split and maybe they would have if I'd put the energy into them, but at the same time, my other ones have. And so then they demanded more energy of me. So maybe it was more like Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point. You know, you, you get a concept or a business or an idea to a certain stage. And then when you see evidence that it's going to tip over, that's the one that starts to demand the energy of you. Um, so I've had a couple that didn't go anywhere. I've got a technology, a couple of technology plays at the moment that are only really at the start line. So they're not very demanding of me. At, like my consulting work is super demanding. When I work with clients, you know, I really wear their emotional turmoil. I really wear their business challenges. I really take that stuff home with me and live with it in my head because I'm because it, uh, you know my job is to help them. Um, so that's very demanding of me. My book work is quite demanding of me with the media and schedules and things like that. But my marketing company that I started with my wife has, has been running for eight years now. We have a general manager who's amazing and I really only get involved at a strategic level um, through our planning cycles and if they need me for a big pitch or, you know, with an important client or something. And yeah, so it's it's really, again, it's that, man that mantra of mine, prioritize for impact. What's going to have the biggest impact? Spend your time there. Let other people deal with the stuff that, that is not critical to your skill set. Gosh, there is a lot to take away. And uh, we'll certainly mention uh, links uh, to your book, to your um, useful uh, sale tool, so people can check them out later. Logan, uh, how can people contact you later if, you want, if they want to learn more about you? Um, LinkedIn is a really good way to uh, contact me so if you find me on LinkedIn um, that's the, that is the social media platform that I spend time engaging with I don't really engage with the rest you can find my book at um, grow3x.com and you can message me through that you if you google Logan Wedgwood you'll find a find most of my businesses and contact forms for all, for all of those and you might come through to one of my administrators who'll put you in touch so yeah just google Logan Wedgwood and you'll you'll find what you find and I'm more more than happy to to catch up and have coffees with people you never know what what comes out of having a conversation thank you Logan thank you Max